What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, the first new book, oh my god, of the new moon, of the new year, is Priestess of the Morgan, Prayers, Rituals, and Devotional Work to the Great Queen by Stephanie Woodfield. This book came out in 2021. I'm going to say three years old is pretty much a new book. Right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty new. So who is Stephanie Woodfield? Now, she's written a bunch of books. So I'm going to say that she's probably not a stranger to people listening. But just in case you don't know who she is, she's a practicing witch and a priestess for more than 20 years. So she's the founder of Morrigan's Daughters, a women's networking group for Morgan devotees. She um, organizes and owns the Morgan's Call. It's a retreat. And she also lives in Florida. And you can find her online at darkgoddessmusings.blogspot.com. Before we even get started, I do have a quote. I do want to say before, I know people are going to be out there going, there's so many books on the Morgan. And some people are going to say, oh, yay, Stephanie's book. And other people are going to go, but what about, we know, we know that there are other books, there are other authors, I've read them. So we just chose one. This was not because this is a favorite, or this is one we hated, or this is what, no, it was just, let's choose one, let's go with Stephanie, that was it. There was really no rhyme or reason to why we chose this. So if there's somebody out there who's like, well, you really have to do, yes, let us know. We could always do another Morrigan book, but, um, but this is why we did this for the Morrigan. It was just, we just chose it literally. Yeah. I think, I truly think I saw it at Modern Druid and went, Hey, don't we need a book for the Morrigan? Yeah. And you were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I was like, yeah, I have that because I think at this point I have all the Morgan books, but yes. So tell us your quote. Okay, so this is the quote. And I had a hard time because I I, fo- I found one quote and then I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to go with this other thing. So I'm going to go with a quote about the book. So it says, this isn't a book about the past, about what ancient people did or stories they told. This book is about the future. It's about what comes next. And I think that was a really nice, fresh take. Because especially when you're talking about deities, of course, it's all about the past. Of course, we always say, read the mythology. Mm -hmm. What has been written about them? What are the, 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 what is the foundation of this deity? And to have the author say, hey, hold on, this isn't about that. It's about what's going on right now. Now, you're going to see as we talk about the book, she does reference mythology and stories about the Morrigan. But I like this because at the end of the day, you can read all the mythology you want. But you're living in, in this case, 2021. Now we're in 2024. What comes next? How do we, in this century, worship the Morrigan? So that's, that's the quote that I chose for that reason. Yes, I I also like that because I do think we are talking about a goddess that is very popular in the community. And like you said, there are a billion books about it. So I think at least for our first book, I like that we're starting in kind of a neutral zone. 
Mm. It's not like, okay, this is going to be hardcore mythology, but it's also not like hardcore UPG. It's very much how can we approach the worship of this goddess knowing that we exist in the modern day? Yes. And one thing that she says here, um, she says the number of people, the community worshiping the Morrigan is growing. And it's because she wants it to grow. And I don't remember whose book it was who mentioned also something similar to that. And they said, so if you think you're special because the Morrigan called you, you know, take it down a notch. There's a lot of people that were called by the Morrigan. This is what she wants. So um, it's not that you're not special. We're all special. But yeah, it's like the specialness is a different kind of specialness. Than yeah. the specialness of, oh, my God, this goddess called to me and she's not calling to anybody else. Like, nah, she's calling to people. You're one of the people. Congratulations. Right. But you're one of the people. But it's not the golden ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's, di- you know what, let's, let's dive right into chapter one. Okay. The nature of the Morgan is chapter one. So who she is and who she isn't. I do... So, like, I know about the Morgan in the sense that, like, I know about um, general Celtic mythology and I've read a couple of things. I really liked this first chapter as far as, like, really ironing out for me who is the Morrigan, right? The idea of the Morrigan as a group of goddesses, but not a maiden mother crone, but also sometimes an individual. Um, so... She talks about the Morrigan as a triad of Anu. Fuck, I was going to learn how to say these with Maka. the Gaelic pronunciations. Maka. Maka and Baiva? Yeah. Bave. In my head, I read Babda, and I know that that's wrong because it's not even the right spelling. <laughs> right. But in my head, I say Bab. <laughs> Anu, Maka, and Baiv? Baiv. Baiv. Okay. So those are the three that make up the triad. And... She- um, Stephanie talks about Anu as the true name of the Morrigan. So right. she's the one that's referred to as like Moragu or the Morrigan. Mm-hmm. But all three of them are also the Morrigan. And my immediate first thought was three in one is something that is very reminiscent to a raised Catholic of like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then I was like, well, I'm pretty sure there's also a three in one God in Hinduism. What is so important about this idea of three in one that it comes up in so many religions? Yeah. Right? And, like, what does it mean that in this case she's a woman? Wow. Okay, so I'm not ready for this question. (laughs) Or to even... Sorry. (laughs) To even delve into this. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, three has been a magical number forever. Before Jesus. Is it because of gods? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. For me, I really tied it into, and she talks about it throughout the book. I know we'll come to it again at a later chapter, but this idea of like sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That I I think that that is the thing that in my brain tied all of these different like three-in-one energies is this idea of sovereignty, of rulership, of leadership. And for the Morrigan to be 
a female entity of sovereignty, I think is something that is missing in a lot of those other areas. And it's something that I think is very important. And one of the reasons that I came to as I was reading that I was like, yeah, I understand why so many people in our community are drawn to her. Because it's an energy that I think like in society, we're missing a lot of like female sovereignty. I mean, she addresses this later on in the book, and I've kind of already given up on trying to go chapter by chapter with, with books. I, my notes are chapter by chapter no, for this book. I, I am very prepared. For chapter by chapter as well. But you bring up this topic. I'm not going to go, Sorry. well, okay, <laughs> on to chapter two. <laughs> and when you get to this, I'll discuss Fair. it. You know, so she mentions it in the book. Uh, she says, people stayed away from the Morgan. They considered her too dangerous. Don't mess with her. Um, she's going to turn your world upside down. It's dangerous. Stay away. And then as time went on, people are gravitating towards the Morrigan. They're losing that fear. And it makes me think when you're saying we don't have a woman who represents sovereignty. Where did the bad press come from? Did the bad press come from people wanting to... Okay. Gemini just made a face. What? No, sorry. I just didn't even think about that. Like the bad press is the bad press is not her. It's like propaganda. It's like it's right. like a smear campaign. Right. Like where did that originate? Because I remember hearing that. I remember hearing people say like, oh, no, 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 you don't work with Morgan. Um, you're going to have to like sign these crazy contracts. And, you know, she requires blood sacrifices. So you'll, you'll, you're going to be killing animals and doing all this stuff. And the first time I heard that, I thought, okay, that sounds kind of whatever. Like, okay, like, you know, I had no intention of working with a Morgan. And then, you know, you hear these things and then it starts to go away. And it seems like as more and more, and it seems like it's women predominantly that I know of that mm -hmm. worship the Morgan, the more women started worshiping the Morgan, the less stories you started hearing or I stopped hearing about all these bad stuff like yeah i think it was all bad press one of the things that i talked to my husband about because we're insane is the the way that christianity has like insidiously inserted itself into modern moral conversation mm. and we talk about this in the context of like atheists that like atheists are fundamentally acting in a Christian manner, like all of the stuff that the, all of the like, oh, I don't need a God to tell me about morals. Okay, but all of your morals are Christian morals. Like, it's not like you're, you're still aligned with everything Christianity says. And all like, all I'm thinking about here is the idea that like, there's all of these people who are leaving Christianity and becoming pagans, but haven't fully unpacked their relationship with Christianity. And so they're, they're saying the Morrigan is bad. The Morrigan wants you to kill animals, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's the farther we as a community get from the insidiousness of Christianity, the more we're able to say like, maybe actually this goddess is fine and we're being a little bit, a little bit too much. I also think that people who might've been spouting that may not have been specifically to try to get people away from the Morrigan but right. also, and this is something else that she mentions in the book, this idea of ego. 
oh, I mm-hmm. work with the Morrigan. You shouldn't work with the Morrigan. Too dangerous. I, you know, again, she called to me, you know, this type of thing mm-hmm. that I'm not saying isn't in the community anymore, but I feel like that's more older guard type of thing. So mm-hmm. that could be another reason for this idea of I want to be part of an exclusive club. And because she is so scary to some people. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? So should we talk about who they are individually? Yes. Please give a rundown <laughs> before I derail us so, into something crazy uh, again. <laughs> basically, Anu is the the one who wears the crown. The weight of the crown is on mm. Anu. Right? Um, the idea of ruling. Maka is actually, Maka's interesting because if we're talking about the Morrigan is having many multifaceted so is maka on 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 her own Mm -hmm. um but she's kind of like she embodies like the strength that keeps going against all the odds right Mm -hmm. strategy maka is not acting out of rage maka is acting out of out of decisions that need to be made one thing about anu when, when they're talking about war is this idea that you know, when people say, oh, the Morrigan, she's a warrior, she destroys. Anu's also interesting in, interested in picking up the pieces afterwards, as is Maka, mm-hmm. right? After the war comes peace, and Stephanie says that. So what are you building afterwards? War is not about destruction. War, there's a plan to it, right? Yes, I'm going to destroy this because in its place, I want blank. So... That's part of the strategy is, is if you go into war, yeah. what's coming next? And they're interested in that. Then you have the third, Baiva. And that is the battle frenzy. That is the nutty part of war. This this one is not interested in building up as she is more in destroying everything. The harshest of the three, if you will. But it's she's also um, a prophetess. Mm-hmm. Which to me always seems kind of weird, right? But in another way, it does make sense because I don't know why I just thought of Tiresias. No, no. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So like this idea, Tiresias is not all there either, you know? Yeah. I don't think you can be a prophet and be all there. And I think... That's why, in a way, it's kind of like, oh, really? It's got to be her that has, you know, the prophecy. But in another way, it makes sense because, yeah, like you have all this information. You're being downloaded information like all the time. Like it's going to make you a little cuckoo. So when it's time to fight, like, oh, you, you want a piece of this? Let's go. You know, kind of thing. I totally like when I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. Because first of all, trans states are something we've talked about repeatedly in the context of like oracular work or or divinatory work and a battle frenzy is a trance state and then you think about like historically people were reading like entrails people were using blood and other flesh to tell the future it is not surprise it did not surprise me in the slightest to read that like oh the one that's like fully bloodlusty she also knows shit and you should listen to it (laughs) yeah um what else? I think that's I it only for chapter have one. 
one. I only have, this is the thing, we were talking about this before, and I was like, I really like this book, but we'll talk about it on the podcast. I only have, like, incredibly deep thoughts from this book. I only have podcast derailing thoughts. So okay. do you want to talk about my relationship with Eris right now, or do you want to wait until later in the book? <laughs> no, you might as well just go for it now. So chapter one, there is literally a line where Stephanie says, the Morrigan is not the Irish heiress. And I I sat with that line for a while. Because I've talked about on the podcast that like I made an oath to Eris many, many years ago. Um, and I've said, you know, like, you got to be careful about making oaths. You got to make sure you do it right, blah, blah, blah. But very much, they are the opposite of each other. Right? Eris creates the conflict. Eris exists to cause the problem. And the Morrigan exists to fix it. Right? The, their relationship with conflict is fundamentally different. And I also thought about my relationship with Hera, who is the sovereign of the Greek pantheon, but is fundamentally hamstrung by her husband. And the Morrigan is not. The, the Morrigan creates the sovereignty of the husband, right? When you talk about the story of like Maka marrying kings, like he's the king because of her, not because of him. Um, and it's, it's very, I don't know. It was very complicated for me because it was sort of like, I think I approached my relationship with Eris the way people approach their relationship with the Morrigan. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, okay, so? so I'm going to, I'm going to jump into chapter two really quick because she talks about, um, there's a quote she says, if you want war, I will give it to you. If you wish to fight endlessly, I will give you what you want. That a lot of people are attracted to the Morrigan as this warrior goddess and then get kind of stuck there, right? Like, I'm going to fight and I'm going to fight and that's all I'm ever going to do. And I thought about talking to a friend of mine who was a Marine and how boot camp, he calls it a a hard reset, And that sometimes people just need to have their brains reset. And the Morrigan is like a drill sergeant. Hmm. Right? The Morrigan is going to put you through the trial because you're supposed to come out better in the end. And that's what I went into my relationship with Eris looking for. Because when you look at the Greek gods, that's not really, that's not really their M.O., right? You can do like, maybe Dionysus will do that for you, but it's not like, it's not a hard reset. It's a soft reset. It's a psychedelic reset. Um, and I I approached this idea of being, of working with Eris and, and making my oath to Eris as very much like a hard reset, a drill sergeant. Some, she's going to tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. And she can't. <laughs> she can't. She, that's not... That's not her. And the Morrigan and Eris are fundamentally different in that way. The Morrigan can do that. The Morrigan is a sovereign. The Morrigan is a war goddess. The Morrigan is a prophetess. Eris is, Eris is none of those things. Hmm. So yeah, this book made me like reevaluate my relationship with my gods. <laughs> well, that was deep. I don't have anything that deep to add to any of this. Okay, so should we keep going? (laughs) Do you want to say anything else about chapter two? (laughs) 
Well, the one thing that she says here, and I think it's really great that she says it, is you can't romanticize war. And that's a problem yeah. that people have when it comes to the Morrigan, right? I am a warrior. I am this. Yeah, you know, the Morrigan's a lot of things. So being fixated on war, constantly on war, who does that? Like, there's not a person yeah. on the planet, and she says this, that wishes for, for war. Nobody wants to see this. It's just something that inevitably will happen with different yeah. factions. So to be hung up on her as that and nothing else, that's, it's tricky, it's dangerous, and you should also check yourself, like, why are you so attracted to that? And this is the chapter where she says, some will destroy themselves and never see me fully. Yeah. Which I thought was such a good quote because, yeah, like, like, absolutely. There are people who are going to say, like, I worship the Morrigan and I work with the Morrigan and ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, but they're they're never going past the surface level of it. Right. They're never going past blood and war and violence. And that's not her fully. Right. Something else that we should mention because we haven't yet is the way the chapters are written. And it reminds me a little bit of yes. the Baba Yaga book. Yes. Where you have her stories. And just full disclosure, I didn't read them. Oh, I did. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I was just like, yeah, I don't care. And maybe that's terrible, but I want to at least be honest about it. With the Baba oh, yeah. Yaga book, I did read them. And this one just felt like, God, I've seen this already. I don't feel like doing this again. Just tell me what you got to tell me. So if there's anything mm -hmm. in those sections that you think is really important, you should just mention it because I'm not going to mention them because I really literally glossed over them. And maybe it's going to upset people who love the book or whatever. But it's just it was my personal thing where I just wanted to read the book. I didn't want to go through these stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I can do them real quick. What I liked about the stories was she talks about, like, the oracular process of, like, her channeling the Morrigan mm -hmm. in a bunch of different contexts. And that also became very deep for me. Um, I, I would love to be an oracle. Oh, my God. Okay. I would love to do that. And I don't ever I don't ever do it. And um, um, I would love to be an oracle, and I never do it. And these little stories, really, every time I would read them, I would take a step back and be like, all right, wh why don't I do this? Why am I not doing the thing that I say repeatedly that, like, would be so so great and so cool and so fun? Like, why am I not uh, encouraging this aspect of my personality and my spiritual path? So they weren't, they did not help me with the Morrigan at all. They just helped me with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the Oracle now since you brought it up? She does. She mentions it at the beginning of chapter three. That, that, um, okay. But she doesn't talk she about tells, how to get first... into it though. She doesn't talk about how to no, do it. No, not yet. Okay. No, and sorry, we have to talk about chapter three uh, we do. because I have another deep conversation to have about that. Well, because it's it's another problem. So the one problem is we just talked about it, which is seeing her only as a goddess of war. But then the other mm -hmm. problem is because she is a goddess, 
who has sex, some people go, she's a god of sex. And it's like, mm-hmm. what? Or they try to sexualize her. And I know a lot of people who say they have a hard time finding a statue because they all seem so sexy. Like she's half naked or there's one where she's completely naked. And it's like, yeah, no one goes into battle completely naked. So, yeah, right. So whether it is a psychological battle, if it's strategy, whatever, she should have some armor on, I think. Right. Um, Or a fur or something, you know, something that indicates she's, you know, going somewhere. One of the things that I thought of reading this chapter is that it just solidified for me that I never want to be one of those podcasts that does video. (laughs) Why? Because imagine like so much, so much about aesthetic communicates, right? The way that Mm. you look communicates something. Um, and, and Stephanie talks about a story where an argument broke out online because somebody said that her, Stephanie Woodfield, wearing a sexy dress oh, yeah. meant that it was encouraging people to view the Morrigan in a sexual manner. And I was like, Are, like imagine we say some shit. On, and you're in a, you're looking at us on the video and you're like, oh, well, based on what Gemini is wearing, this is what she actually means. It's like, I would, no, no. The idea, like, it, it taints the conversation. And that is very upsetting to me because I think Stephanie does a really good job in that chapter of, like, a really solid analysis of saying, like, listen, yeah, the Morrigan has sex. Also, if the Morrigan was a dude, no one would say the Morgan is a sex goddess. Right. So how about we just accept that she fucks and it's not her main personality trait? Right. Those two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I just don't ever want the way that I look to impact the quality of the statement that I'm making. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So this is my own thing, my own personal, something that grinds my gears. I'm so sick that it's 2024 and we're still looking at people and doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I remember being in high school, taking two subways to get there. And there would be people on the train that on their way out, because God forbid they confront me, but on their way out would give me their Jesus pamphlets. Like would just drop it on my lap as they would mm-hmm. get out of the train. And I'm thinking, you know what? Um... Isn't isn't Christianity judge not lest ye be judged? You are one judgy bitch. Like giving me these pamphlets, you know nothing about me. Meanwhile, I don't know where you're going, but I was going to a math and science high school that I had to take a test to get into. Like I wasn't a dummy. I was studying. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, because I happen to have a mohawk, so now what? I'm going to hell? Like what what? Yeah. You know, so that was disheartening when she had when she explained that because I just thought, okay, so here we go. And again, is it because it's a woman? So now, because you dress like that and you're a priestess of the Morgan, now the Morgan becomes a whore. Like what? What is going yeah. on? It's just so annoying. It's just it, that kind of stuff just makes me like bleh, like I'm done. And so I want to jump a little bit earlier in chapter three because she talks she talks about where is my note here. She talks about the idea that people don't want to don't want victory. They just want the war. There is the healing and victory. They just want the war. 
And all I could think about, and I, I'm, I'm sure that every woman listening to us can understand this, and I'm sure a lot of the men and other people can understand it as well. But this idea of like the comfort of trauma, of mm. like going through something deeply painful and, and like fully scarring you for life, and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to repeat that cycle a couple more times, yeah, because it's comfortable. Right. Healing is just as scary as war. And if you are comfortable with war, you're going to keep doing the war. So if the Morrigan is like, okay, yeah, now you got to now you got to heal. That's just as scary as the trauma originally was. And I think that that might be part of the problem that people get get attached to this idea of like the warrior goddess. She's a, she's going to fight and end the wars and we're going to kill our enemies. Ah, ah, Well, yeah, you're attracted to the trauma. The healing is is part of the process, right? Victory is just as important as the battle. Peace is just as important as the war. But you're stuck in the trauma cycle instead of doing the next step. And meanwhile, as the Scorpio that I am, I'm like, I'm all about the victory. So Mm -hmm. I want to win. But you're right. Yeah. You're right. It is a trauma cycle. I think it's probably why they're so afraid of Iva, because she's like, yeah, okay, let's wash our bloody clothes. Let's wash them. You gotta clean them now. No more blood. It's like, oh, I actually, what if I just fought another war? <laughs> right? Like, what if I didn't wash my dirty clothes? It's like, no, you gotta do it. You gotta wail. You gotta scream. You gotta wash your dirty clothes. Yeah. Well, that's chapter four in a nutshell. Yeah. And then we go to chapter five, the price of a crown. Which is when we start talking about sovereignty. And there's something that she says here that I I really, really resonated with me. Um, So I guess it's another quote in here. She says, I think on some level, as our needs change, as our cultures evolve, some part of the gods shift as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know when you're there she's talking about the myths of the morrigan and this whole idea of sovereignty and bestowing power bestowing that rulership onto a a king but isn't that also why we would follow the morrigan sovereignty onto us right so that Mm -hmm. now we have the power to control x y and z whatever it is make the changes do the cleanup do the healing and be victorious in whatever it is we do and I think that's why she puts that in there and why that resonated with me. We have to stop looking at not necessarily the definitions as they were, because they haven't really changed, but how do we put them into a modern context? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what that whole, this whole chapter is about. How do we do that? Right. This whole idea of the ownership of self, being responsible. Yeah for what it is we do, what we put out there as witches and as just, you know, run-of-the-mill people. I have a quote from chapter six. Ooh. (laughs) Chapter six is um, battlefield devotions, and it's talking about peace and battle. Mm -hmm. But there's a sentence she says in there that um, fucked me right up. The true price of peace is that you bless even your enemies. Mm-hmm. And she's 100% correct. That is a true and accurate statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me realize that maybe I'm not I'm not so peaceful as I thought. 
like yeah lifelong journey you get there but like I don't know if I'm at the point in my life where I I wish peace upon my enemies there are people who I would like to suffer some more (laughs) who maybe could could step on a lego every once in a while my mother always told me when you're really angry with somebody just like take a moment take a breath and send love their way and i remember being a kid and having her tell me that and i'd go what sending that person love like you said hope they step on a lego right yeah. But if you are, now coming back to the Morgan, if you are victorious, yeah, if you're going to take ownership for yourself, you got nothing to lose by wishing that person peace. You're not losing anything. I'm not there yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Okay. For people who are there, uh, you know, give it a try. Look, I remember yeah. when I was getting divorced and one of the Scorpios is like, that's it. I'm coming to your house. We're going to throw out his stuff. And I said, why? Why on earth are we throwing out? Like, what has he done to me that we're throwing out his things? I said, I'm just mm-hmm. letting you know. Like, it's whatever. And so many people didn't believe me when I was saying I was getting divorced because we were living here. Like, we had split up the house. So we were just living here like two people. Like, mm-hmm. what? You know. You don't lose anything when you wish somebody well or when you wish peace for them or whatever it is. You've won. Yeah. Again, I hear you. You're right. The (laughs) sentence that Stephanie Woodfield wrote was 100% correct and accurate. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I don't know when I will be. I will update you on the podcast when I get there, guys, but I am not there. Okay, so let us know. (laughs) In the meantime, we come to the chapter that I was really looking forward to talking about, which is vision and prophecy. Which is part two, yes. Yes, that's the other thing. This book is split up not only in chapters, into chapters, but different parts. So now we're officially in part two. So, okay, transpossession. You know, so it's funny because how she discusses transpossession, right? Letting the deity come into you is mm-hmm. pretty much how mediumship was explained to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. The mediums make way. They're kind of there in like a dreamlike state or whatever. And there are contracts. She says, even though they're deity, you still make a contract, things that you would not be okay doing. For example, one person, mm-hmm. deity got inside of them and they slapped another person. And she was like, oh, that's a no-no for me. Like, I do not allow deity to strike another person, right? It's still my body, you know, so mm-hmm. I still have control over what happens. And she does talk about how you just don't do this, right? There are steps that you have to take. And if, yes. and if you want to know, then read the book. We're not going to go over them here for people to start messing around and whatnot. But, you know... It's a scary thing because she says you don't know who is coming in. Like you have to have a real strong connection. That's the other thing. The first thing is you have to have a real good relationship with the Morgan outright. And then which of the three is coming through? Who are you going to be an oracle for? And she gets a lot of satisfaction in being able to do that. Right? Like being able to help people and be their oracle. Yes. 
And, you know, you mentioned you wanted to do this. This is the one thing I can tell you right now. I am not, although I have said so many times I'm not going to do something. But that's true. Yeah. But this is not something that I see myself ever in a thousand years wanting to be in. I would rather, I would rather go into a fairy circle at this point in my life. I told you, I've, I I go walking and okay, I occasionally. Okay, well, to be fair. I occasionally go I would, like, yeah. Yeah. I could, uh, mm, uh, maybe. We could just mm, bring the stroller, baby bat and I. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've come to that point in my life where I'm like, the fae? Yeah, why not? <laughs> this? Transpossession? No. But anyway, you know, things that she says, I mean, she's very clear. You have to know yourself. You know yes. exactly. Be in she touch has with very yourself. good instructions. She really does. Um, also practicing trance work. Mm-hmm. Right. What else she talks about? I'm trying to look. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Agreements, wards. But yeah, I think that if it's something that you're interested in, this is a good book just to get an idea of how somebody else does it and what they recommend. Absolutely. You know, but it's definitely not something she says you do like year one working with a Morgan. So, yeah. No. Yeah. And then she talks about... Yeah. I don't know if you want to go on to another chapter, if you want to stay here. I There's nothing for me to say that isn't just me. Not... It's just me talking about things I'm not doing. So we don't have to... Like, I'm not an oracle. Uh, I'm not doing any of this stuff. Would Maybe would like to? Yeah. Am I going to? No. So, you know, big shrug. Maybe at one point. I think that there is something, I think that being an oracle is like the purest demonstration of your faith in a deity. Mm. Um, and it is something that feels really, and especially like, I'm, I'm Hellenic, right? The oracles are a big deal for my people. Um, but there is a, there, I, another place that I'm not there yet is the ability to give up control. Yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. So, um, and speaking of giving up control... <laughs> I really enjoyed her conversations about the community because I am very much not a member of the Morrigan community. I, I don't worship her. I don't work with her. I don't didn't really know anything about her before the book. Um, so on the one hand, I'm like a sneaky little gossip and I'm like reading this and I'm like, oh my God, Stephanie, what do you mean there's internet drama? Oh my God, Stephanie, what do you mean there's drama in the community? Why aren't you telling me more about this? And then on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? You're right, girl. Problems do occur when we think things are important to us and then we project that onto the gods and it's got to be important to them too. Like, wow, that's so, so it's tough. I'm a nosy bitch, but I also think that Stephanie had some very good insights. You know, what I liked about this, and she says, you're going to alienate people if you expect them to mm -hmm. worship your God the way they, because it's also their God. So let them worship yeah. their God their way. I have heard so many people talk about the Morrigan in so many different ways that, you know, I always have something to say. I always have something to say about some topic, okay? <laughs> yes. That's when you'll see me go mute because, mm -hmm. like, it's not worth it. One thing that I think that I think is really powerful, as she writes, is that she doesn't even think the Morrigan cares how people worship her. She cares that they're speaking her name. 
Yeah. And I think that's incredibly powerful, especially for anybody out there listening who maybe has not read the book and is thinking, I'm going about this the wrong way. I think she's pretty much telling you there isn't a wrong way. You have to form a relationship with the Morrigan. You have to figure out which of the sisters, if there's one in particular that you want to devote yourself to, is it the Mm -hmm. Morrigan, the three? Is it just one? You don't have to decide that right away. But, you know, she also mentions there was a story about somebody who said the Morrigan came to him. I think it was like in a dream and she was with a bunch of deer. And, you know, Stephanie Mm -hmm. was like, "Uh, that's not an animal of the Morrigan. That must be a personal message to you. Because it turns out the guy, I think, was a hunter or something. Like there was something about him. Yes. He had like deer in his pictures. Yeah. Yes. So she was like, no, she used that animal to tell you something about and he was like nope nope not true um it's just a deer or animals of the morrigan and then she also tells the story of the turkey vulture how somebody Mm -hmm. else told her about a turkey vulture and she was like no and then before you knew it a turkey vulture came down grabbed her hair and then a crow was like also like speaking around the same time like you know crowing whatever um and she says oh that's just a morrigan telling me i can come in whatever form i want So even if mythology says crow, wolf, raven, maybe she will come as a turkey wolf. Because ultimately she is going to take a form or she's going to reach out to you in a way that's going to make sense to you. And that, I think, is something that is also bigger than the Morrigan in the community. Yeah. I think that sometimes... And this might have even come from the old guard being like, you need to, you have to prove stuff. You, you have to have evidence. Blah, blah, blah. We are skeptics. Um, because there is this hesitance to have a personal relationship, right? And, and understandable, because we've talked about this on the podcast too, right? Like in an appropriative sense, like don't talk about shit that doesn't belong to you as if it belongs to you. But you got to know the difference, right? You are allowed to say like, hey, I I had this dream and it was like, I know that it was from the Morrigan. I felt it, but it's not an animal that's necessarily in her mythology. Okay, you're allowed to have a personal relationship. Just don't then say, don't do what that guy did and say, no, this must be a secret thing from a mythology that we haven't found yet. Like, that's the ego, right? You have to, you have to prove that you are the best that you are the most connected that you have the most evidence and like it's fucking religion sometimes there's no evidence you're talking to a god like what and i wonder if that's not a carryover from other organized religions this idea that one person mm-hmm. has to have all the answers because the rest of us don't know anything and we have to listen and be very strict in how we do things right You say the same prayer, you say the same thing, you do the same thing because that's the way it's always been done without thinking that one, we're evolving, two, the gods are moving with us, and three, like you said, this isn't the point of these types of practices. Yeah. The point is to get your hands dirty. You are a priestess of the Morrigan. That means you're the authority on your practice, not the entirety of yeah. the Morrigan, just your practice. Um, 
And I think people still have a hard time with that, even though they say, this is why I like being a witch. But at the same time, they're like, but isn't there have to be rules, right? Like we can't all just all yeah. have our own kind of feelings about things. Yeah. And she does talk about, well, I think we're, we're moving on ahead. Poison hearts, a vision of serpents. Did you want to talk about chapter nine before we move on ahead? I, I feel like we just talked about like eight, nine, and ten all together right there. Kind of. Because nine is about like the the venom in the community and this right. idea that like sometimes yeah. people are fighting, choosing to fight a battle outside of themselves when in reality the battle is inside of them. And then she talks about unverified personal chap- gnosis. Yeah. Which is that personal relationship. But one thing I like is that she acknowledges <laughs> it in her, the book. She says, I realize. Yeah that this book is basically UPG. Yeah. And I thought that was refreshing that she wasn't trying to come on there saying, well, no, see, I know. She's like, look, I understand that this is what I'm doing too. But how much is the work and how much is ego when it comes to people talking about the Morrigan or any goddess or God? Yeah. Yeah. And it's true when she says modern pagan practice, the majority of it is UPG. Yeah. You know? And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's not a bad thing. It's when you decide that you're going to impose that on everyone else or that you're going to demand that your UPG be treated as like historical canon or if you're just kind of a dick about it. That's when it's bad, but there's nothing wrong. Everybody has... Fuck, Christians have UPG. Jews have UPG. Muslim people have UPG. Everybody has unverified personal gnosis. It's personal gnosis. Yeah. Well, then we get to the next (laughs) chapter, which is divination. Part three. And... After she's just finished saying, hey, don't let your ego get in the way, she goes, and you know what could help with that? Divination. Yes. You want to get a yes. clear message from the goddess? It's going to be in the cards. So yeah. there's a good way to check yourself. You want to hear a fun story? Sure. So, hey, guys, remember when I talked to the beginning of the podcast about how I made an oath to Eris, like, all those years ago, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, I was reading this book, and I was having an existential crisis, so I decided to pull some cards, and I asked, so did I ever actually have an oath? <laughs> um, turns out, no. <laughs> Basically, long story short, I swore an oath contingent on certain things that didn't happen the oath my oath my her her end of the oath was never fulfilled so my end of the oath was never real okay um and i just never pulled cards about it hmm i just never pulled cards about it which is fine and i'm fine and i'm totally okay about it (laughs) But in reality, I think is sort of one, hey, guys, I've been doing this for 15 years and I still fuck up sometimes. But two, the idea that you're going to keep 
she she talks about like initiations never end. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things, right? Like I I came to Eris and I made the oath and I, it, the oath worked, right? Like for me, it, it did exactly what I needed it to do, and it changed me fundamentally as a person. But I did it. Okay. She didn't need it and she didn't want it, but I did it anyway. <laughs> So, you know, pull the cards, guys. Pull the cards. You should be pulling cards more often. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't... I mean, there was a time when I was pulling cards all the time. And I really don't pull cards anymore. The main time I pull cards is literally for that. Like what she just said. Yeah. Um, and I have decks for different deities. So that I can ask them questions and, like have a conversation with them that or if somebody asked me to read for them um other than that i'm really not pulling cards beginning of the month cards stuff like that but yeah for the most part it's really just it's it's a connection to deity yeah. connection to spirit and that's how i treat it instead of like why does my foot hurt do i need to go to a doctor type of thing like, what could be wrong with my foot type of you know question yeah, yeah. All right. Part three, devotions and oaths. We already started talking about initiations. She talks about the different yes. types of initiations um, that she's done for the Morrigan. And, I, you know, for her, it, it's very specific things like crawling around in a cave and coming out the other side and all that. But it made me think about my own path with things. And I've done a bunch of different initiations and, and stuff as the years have gone on. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. It's kind of like renewing your driver's license. <laughs> yeah. I love that you think that renewing your driver's license is nice. Um, I'm sure there's like a better, <laughs> like a New Year's resolution. Oh, see, I hate New Year's resolutions. No, they're garbage. Okay, well, I just discovered this is, so, I'm 32 years old. I just discovered that New Year's resolutions can be fun. Um, so this year, my new year's resolution is I'm doing, I'm calling it the nanny challenge, like after the nanny with Fran Drescher, because she always had like the cutest fits. That show is just all fashion. So my challenge this year is to just be cute as much as possible. Like, like wear little outfits. I'm going to try to wear a little outfit every day. Um, and that's my new year's resolution is to try to wear a little outfit every day. Okay. That's cute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do those. I, yeah, you're better than everyone. We we get it. <laughs> no, I, I do have resolutions, but I will do them at different points in the year. Mm-hmm. I just feel it's like this pressure, like it's the first of the month. Now you have to be perfect. And I just think it's a lot of pressure yes. to carry forward into the new year. So I usually try to make any resolutions I make for my new year. So around Samhain, I'll make resolutions mm-hmm. for things. And I'll tweak them as as they keep going. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, I don't want to fail at my resolutions. And I usually follow through if it's not like That's the beginning true. of the year. You hate failing. That is a true statement. <laughs> that is factual. <laughs> I think part three is very interesting. It's It's where you start really getting into, I think, though, like actual Morrigan worship. Yeah. She as opposed has diagrams. to, like, context. Yeah. Yeah. 
on how to stand, how to move, you know, for devotional work. But I'm glad that I'm glad that she didn't jump into the book this way. I'm glad that she gave us the background because I think you need to clear a lot of the air before we even get to this point. Agreed. You know? Agreed. She also has some mythology in the back of the book. Oh, and uh, footnotes, which you know I love. Citations. Delicious. Fantastic. And she does a really good job. Something that I liked throughout this book is her conversations about community and about like running ritual for people in real life and like the fact that interacting with other people is an important part of her practice you know i'm i'm basically solitary you're basically solitary like we don't really do stuff together at this point but there's something i think good i I think it's inherently good to practice your religion with other people and in a community that does kind of get fractured kind of easily, I think it was important for her to take the time to talk about how she sees the community growing and how she sees ritual being run appropriately and suggestions for how to run ritual appropriately so that everybody can be a part of the Morrigan's call, which is her retreat, but a part of the relationship with the Morrigan. Um, and I don't remember what chapter she talks about it in, but the idea of, like, the Morrigan wants wolves. She wants all of her followers to be running in the same direction. And so you have to talk about community in this. It's not the kind of thing where it's just, all right, well, here's what you do in your bedroom and um, enjoy the hand signs and then you do an initiation and then you pull cards for the rest of your life. Like, there is this component that I think is more other people-centered you know, I think a lot of us would benefit from community. And I think that's why you hear people wanting to be part of a coven because they want to be part mm-hmm. of other people. But at the end of the day, and I don't know if this is just our modern lives and this is the way it's taken us, but I feel like a lot of people can't work in community. Yeah. Right? And I'm not calling anybody a bad person. I, I, I am one of those people. I... Do not excel in group work. I always hated group work, okay? And as a teacher, I hate group work. Because you know there's a one kid who's not going to do anything. Yeah, but as a kid who also didn't excel in group work because I was ob- an obnoxious brat who thought she was smarter than everybody, sometimes forcing people like me to interact with normal humans is good for us. <laughs> like, sometimes you have to just put me in a group of other, like, very regular people and i have to be like oh i'm being a dick right now got it got it got it thank you (laughs) (laughs) no but i think especially when it comes to the craft finding community is great but i think you have to take a step back and go who am i and where am i in this Mm -hmm. journey before you start attaching yourself or getting people, I don't I don't mean like you're a leech. I mean, you know, you say I'm going to join community. You know, even yeah. me now, I would have to say, well, who, what community am I joining exactly? Yes. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to be quiet and learn if I'm joining a community. Yeah. 
And that's usually really hard because it's going to be somebody who doesn't know anything. And instead of being quiet in the back, like I would be, they're going to be loud and saying, I want to do it like this. And then you just go, why am I here? Mm-hmm. I can just, just be by myself. But, but what do I know? I mean, a lot. We've talked about that. Well, everybody knows a lot. I think that, again, just like any other book, you know, take what you like from it. Yeah. Keep the rest in the back of your mind. But would you recommend this book? A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. I literally do not work with the Morrigan. Um, and it fully gave me an existential, it gave me multiple existential crises. So I think everybody should read it. Well, now that you said that, I guess I have to say I work with the Morgan. So, um, I you did didn't not, have to, but it- I did not have an existential crisis, but I, I do agree. I don't agree with everything that she says a hundred percent. That mm. being said, I think she's a hundred percent right on everything. If that makes any sense. Yes. Okay. I think that everything in this book is spot on, but no, I don't agree with her on it. I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, I can acknowledge the fact that she has a lot of information, that she's been working with the Morgan a lot, that this has worked for her, and that she has been able to work with other people and help other people on the path of the Morgan. So I'm going to say, yeah, she's got to be 100% correct. But I definitely wouldn't follow me personally. That's not. So whatever, for whatever reason, I got called to the Morgan. It's not the same. And I, yeah. you know, I will have to figure that out on my own. That also being said, yeah, I think it would be nice to work with people that are also a priest or priestess of the Morgan. But I need to do more work on that myself before I can open myself up to, you know, so I mm-hmm. to work with others. I, I do think that it was great that she says, you know, everybody does have to figure out how they're going to work with her, you know, and well, you should start opening yourself up more because we're going to have some other people who work with the Morrigan on the podcast. So our next episode, this is something new for this year. We're starting to give people a little taste of what's coming up next. So the <laughs> we're being professional. <laughs> we're being professional and telling people, I don't know why we never did it before. We have a spreadsheet. It's not like we don't know what's coming up next. I think it's because sometimes we thought we were going to, like sometimes we'll change things. That's so we true. didn't want to say. Yeah. But like we know this is coming. <laughs> yeah. So the next episode is going to be a witch table talk. And we're going to have people who have been on the show before, actually, who are also priestesses of the Morrigan. And, you know, I'm just going to sit here and let them talk. Yeah. And I mean, I it's not (laughs) don't come to this thinking you're going to like hear all the ins and outs and like you're going to get initiated or like you're going to know the secrets. We're having a table talk. So it's just some, you know, some gals gabbing. But it's some gals gabbing about the Morrigan. And we thought it was important because there is so much talk about the Morrigan. And people do come to the Morrigan in different ways and for different reasons. And everybody got called differently. And some people know exactly why they've been called to the Morrigan. And other people, I remember when, um, I forgot who I told. It might have been you. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, what am I going to add to this? 
you know? And of course, the reaction was like, what are you talking about? And, and But I was totally <laughs> Like, are you honest. dumb? <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> Have again, you met you? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know that there are so many people. And I thought, the hell am I adding to this? Like, I'm just trying to live my life. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to say how I got called because the whole thing is kind of funny. And I know you find it hysterical. So, yes. Yeah. So I'll save that for the table talk. But I just feel like there's a lot of good players on the field already. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need me in there. So. But again, she just likes to be mentioned and she wants to. Why not? If you could grow a huge army. Wouldn't you? you want to be a cult leader this is kind of the same thing she just wants a lot of people so i get girl i get it the morrigan i see you i understand it (laughs) (laughs) let me take that back i don't need her i mm, don't talk girl please don't i don't (laughs) i don't see you your your pantheon is totally (laughs) different i don't think that she would do that i mean who knows i can't see (laughs) no but honestly i don't think that she would i think that even if you were on her radar I feel there's a respect there. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. You know, I don't think deity. It's funny because when we talk about deity. I almost feel this could be a throwback to culture and how culture tells us God has to be right. Yeah. Uh, a jealous God, a vengeful God, that type of thing. And I think we project that onto pagan deities so yeah but in in my mind i'm thinking okay especially if we're talking about strategy why would she want to mess with somebody who in all honesty you're doing the work for somebody else right you're doing the work Mm -hmm. it's there but i don't think she needs to to poach somebody i think that that's fine. You know, it's not like you're you're yeah. in the pantheon and she's decided, you know, come work for me. It's like, no, I think that deities respect something like that. Like, hey, that's cool. You know, you're over there doing the same type of thing. So, yeah. Making rookie mistakes. Making rookie mistakes. Oh, everybody's making mistakes. You know, I always say whichever deity wants to work with me has to have a good sense of humor because. True. You know, so that's that. That's that's the wrap up for the first book of the year. This is our first new moon, new book, new book, new moon, new moon, new book, new moon, new book. This is our first new moon, new book of 2024, which is insane. And we hope that you are following us on Instagram because we posted that this book was going to be the next book. So that because somebody has suggested, hey, why don't you let us know ahead of time? what the next book is so that we can read along if you want to read along. And so we did that. So we post on Instagram. Yes. And if you guys have any comments, questions, ideas, reach out to us in the DMs. Um, comment on the the post. So like you guys follow us on Instagram. You know, we post every time a new episode comes out. Comment what you thought about the book on the post. We can chat there, have a little like mini conversation, our little mini book club right on the post. Um, and keep your eyeballs out for what is coming down the pipeline because you'll see it on Instagram and you'll hear it here. Thank you so much for being the most amazing audience. Thank you, of course, to Kano and more for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm-hmm.